it has been a season. I've hugged my son. I hugged my son, but I wanted to hug your son. Oh, goodness. I've cried about our future. I had complicated feelings and arguments about marching in a pandemic. And I literally tried to meditate away reality. I read some books. I got my senator on speed dial. But still, there is so much more work to do. That's why we're back. And this is Your Neighbor's Hood. The The Season season of of Solutions. Solutions. With Hannah and Jackie. Do you remember what made us have this idea? We got together at Culture Vegan Coffee Joint. Yep. And we were really thinking about, like, how do we take the next step? And I think you were really like, look, we have to have some real tangible things for people to do. This season needs to be about solutions. That's what you you were saying. I don't know if it's an uncommon thing for white people to start to understand the depth of the racism of our society and suddenly be like, we need a quick fix. We need a fix fast. <laughs> this is terrible. You know? Yeah. So we want to make a season where we provide our listeners with solutions. So we want to engage you. So there, not to say that there's n- not room for conversations. It obviously has to start there. there. That's really important work, too. But we want to take it a step further. Yeah, we want to unpack the problems provide resources, and then in solutions, as you said, that people can actually engage with. Yeah. (laughs) And we're going to try and get more uncomfortable. We're going to try to dig a little bit deeper and be real about what makes us uncomfortable. Because racism is everywhere in our society, we wanted to take big topics and then break them down. We're, We're tackling major, major topics. Health Housing, education, environment, food, employment, transportation. These are these umbrella things that we're going to bring them down to the street level and into your neighborhood. But if you're not a listener who lives with us here, we want this to be scalable to wherever you are. So each each month we'll be digging into a topic and looking for you to come into our neighborhood and be a resource. And we're looking to get into your neighborhood. So let's do it. This month, we're tackling health care, which is a really big topic. Yes. Yeah, so we talked to Dr. Mary Ojo Cairns, who just opened her own practice in Virginia Beach. It's called Evotient Gynecology. And if you want to hear more about that, check out our Hoods Goods out later this month. So here are some highlights from our conversation where we asked her for her perspective on health care, what the problems are, what the solution are, and what she sees. I think I'm most uncomfortable with, in this sphere, under the broad umbrella of health, recognizing my privilege, Mm. both as a white person, but also as a person who has doctors in my extended family. Mm -hmm. I understand that that puts me in this position of privilege within the system, and I recognize that it's a very broken system that's not serving everyone, but the brokenness of it seems very overwhelming. So the tension of my privilege with wanting to know how to help but feeling overwhelmed makes me really uncomfortable. And I will say probably the most uncomfortable thing specifically sort of related to Mary's industry and uh, my own lived experiences is 
I know you know, like, I'm at a point in my life where all of my doctors are black. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like, I've, I've made that vow. And I say that, I feel like I say that to people, like, I'm always looking for a black this, a black that, or um, or a minority as a point of pride. But behind that, what I don't say is that I truly have a distrust for white doctors. Like, mm. for real. But that's mm-hmm. based off of my experience in the military and feeling like a guinea pig mm-hmm. and the things that I've seen happen to my children with doctors. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and, and my mother, I am personally okay with myself saying it, mm-hmm. but I don't feel comfortable Voice telling it. other people. Yeah. Like I just be mm-hmm. like, I don't get it. And, and I tried it. I'm going to tell you, I went to the VA because I still use the VA hospital. I went and I had a doctor. It was a white woman. Mm-hmm. And she was going through my file, and I just feel like you don't care. Like you don't care is like mm-hmm. I, it just automatically. Like whether it's true or not, it's like yeah. I don't feel like she cares. She's just looking to figure. You know, she's looking to treat my symptoms and get me on my way, because that's what it's been about. And I got sicker and sicker, and then I finally found a VA doctor that was a black woman, and I, I requested to get changed. And I was like, I just mm-hmm. I feel like I want another doctor, and I think that's okay, but. To say that I distrust white doctors just feels like I'm being I'm being racist in a sense. Yeah. But it's like, but it's really based off the experiences of experience. that I've had. Yeah, yeah, that I've had with them. We, we have a medical system that does not value women. That's the first thing. Okay? Facts. We have a medical system that does not value um, minorities, and we have a medical system that does not value people truly in need financially. You know that don't have the money to pay their way for to access or have, you know, the esteem in life to already have access within their, their uh, own personal network. So, yeah. And, and that's what we've inherited and that's what we're working. That's what we're working with, you know? Yeah. It's in our doctrine, right? Like we, when I, if I'm thinking back to when we had this conversation before, one thing I learned that I was like, what? specifically around the act of abortion when mm-hmm. there was a point where you could be a wealthy white woman and you could it's perfectly okay but anybody else either mm-hmm. i'm gonna take your ability to have a baby just because you you know what i mean like mm-hmm. eugenics was a real thing y'all mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. <laughs> like it had those layers on it it's sexism classism racism like all of those things are, are, are insidious and i know that uh there was a doctor saying that she didn't realize how she was doing business until she got closer to history and was like wow like i didn't even realize like this is exactly how i was taught though like this is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is well this stuff isn't taught i mean recently i've done a couple rounds of racial equity trainings and in that i learned for the first time about enslaved women being test subjects because mm-hmm. it was believed that they didn't feel pain in the same way mm-hmm. so from the beginning there's been a dehumanization and then lack of representation yeah. Most of gynecology, most of the inroads in gynecology um, were made by using enslaved women as test subjects. Many of the instruments that we use to this day were first uh, used on enslaved black women. And so, you know, every day as a black woman, understanding that history and performing these these uh, procedures and using these instruments and um, understanding the knowledge that I have gained from the education that I received that was based off of the studies that were done on women that had no control 
of their bodies, of their situation, of their well-being, it does get to me. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's heavy. But, you know, one thing I try to do is transform that into something positive. And so the way I can affect my patients day to day is by using what was gained from a very, very painful place and a very negative place to something positive for them, listening and not only listening, but hearing and understanding and trying to live through whatever their experience is, whatever their symptoms are, so that I can truly help them. You know, because the symptoms aren't necessarily just the physical. There's a lot of emotional that comes behind it, too. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of painful history in gynecology. And I think a lot of this points back to something that I didn't know about until I was preparing for this. So I might have just lived my life not knowing about this, but the Flexner Report of 1910 was something that went through and reformed how medical universities, it was, they, they thought that there were too many doctors getting put out there and they needed to control for doctors practicing in a certain way. And what that effectively did in terms of how that intersects with race is it closed down five of the seven medical schools that were devoted to teaching primarily African-Americans. So that only left Howard and Meharry University. So that was only two universities specifically devoted to training black doctors. And then what happened is because there were so few spaces, they narrowed that field to only men. So Mm -hmm. if there is no female representation, but then no female African-American representation in the people practicing the empathy is completely lost, potentially. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. had such major ramifications that now, bringing up to present day, we're still sitting at African Americans having double the infant mortality rate as white people. Mm -hmm. And, And that's also when you account for socioeconomic class, education, just across the board, you know? We, we still have uh, the higher maternal mortality, infant mortality rate. That is crazy. It's crazy. I had a friend uh, who gave birth last year who was just really scared of going to the hospital because of that, you know? And Jackie, to your point, was looking for a black physician because she was scared that she would die otherwise. Look at Serena Williams when she gave birth. Mm-hmm. And what happened to her? What happened to her? I That's, don't know. You know, she has a history of uh, blood clots and blood DVTs. Clots, yep. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so after her delivery, she was complaining of, if I'm correct, an inability to breathe well. And uh, she, it was basically ignored by her physician and the staff. And, uh, but she continued to do what you have to do and advocate for herself. And after... I don't know how long they finally decided to do some imaging and found out she had um, PEs. Ooh. You know, so. For the listeners, what's PE? Oh, sorry, pulmonary embolism. So a blood clot in her lungs. There you go. Here's the deal, right? Like, I hear that and I'm like, she had to advocate for herself while she's just given birth. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, she just, she, and she's Serena Williams. Yeah, okay. You know? It's when I had my daughter, I was in the middle of just going through getting tested for rheumatoid arthritis, like so many different things. So a lot of my regimen had to get shut down. So I'm feeling pain. I had a doctor tell me it's psychosomatic. Like it's, it's in your head. 
then when I go to have my child, like I didn't have an epidural, I didn't, you know, like it was, I was managing because mm-hmm. I had started trying to become my own doctor, which is what yeah, I think yeah. a lot of women try to do. And that can be very detrimental. Yeah. So for me, it was just how do I manage the pain, be pregnant and also be a four year old's yeah. mother. The nurse came in and checked me about five minutes later. I said, hey, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. Like, I feel like I'm ready. And she's like, no, you're not. <laughs> No, you're not. I just checked you. There's no way. I said, ma'am, like, I'm I'm ready to, I'm ready to push. And she's like, mm-hmm. no, no, I, I just checked you. And I said, that's fine. My husband's looking at me. I said, that's fine. I'm just going to go ahead and push. I said, that's all right. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And he was like, Jackie, don't do it. Don't do it. And the nurse was like, <laughs> the nurse was like, fine. Then she, with the attitude, fine, I'll check you. And then, she, and then the baby's right there. <laughs> because who knows but except you. You felt it. <laughs> and then you didn't have an epidural, right? No. Okay, so, so yeah, that, you know when you're ready to push. What are you going to do? <laughs> How are you going to hold a baby in? I'm telling you, I sat up in that seat like this. I was like, I was like, do I need to squat? So I saw people, you could squat and have the baby. I was mm-hmm. like, I need to get up because I'm about to push. I'm about to push her out. Like, I'm just going to do it. But it was like just in that moment that that three minute exchange or it wasn't even three minutes it was probably like a minute of just going back with the yeah. nurse about how I am feeling about a human being coming out of my body. Yeah. Like I feel this, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. I think it's dangerous. And Hannah knows like I try to be my own doctor and it's it's substandard. <laughs> yeah. It's not smart at all. But that's where we are. And so then my question as a physician to you would be, if you and I had a physician-patient relationship, how could I better serve you? Like, what could I do for you other than, you know, you come in the room, you've seen that I'm black. What could I do to you (laughs) to gain your trust and help you understand that, you know what, even though there are negative things in the healthcare system that uh, have a negative impact on black women, we are honestly better today than we were 25 years ago, 50 years ago, so on and so forth. And how could I help you gain more trust in the system, not just in me, but in the system itself? I think I've come to a place, and this is just me, where I feel better when I have a physician that is also teaching me. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Like Mm -hmm. a physician that's not just telling me this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm mm-hmm. going to try. Like, I need to be a part of that experience because this is mm-hmm. my body. And I'm only seeing mm-hmm. you once every however I decide mm-hmm. to come in and mm-hmm. see you. So, like, I think mm-hmm. that when physicians choose to empower and, and mm-hmm. keep people away from WebMD, right? Like, yeah. And, yeah. and I get to use you as a resource that tells me the good, the bad, and the ugly, yeah. then I think I may change my attitude because I feel like, you're gonna, you're, you're not, you're gonna tell me the hard things. You're gonna tell me yeah. what I need to hear, and what I need to hear is how I need to do better, right? Like, give me the opportunity to take care of myself too. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, to be engaged in your own decisions. Yes, to be a to part be a of, that. of the team. Because yeah. oftentimes, I think positions that I've dealt with have been of the mindset like, I know what's right for you, so yeah. Yeah. just you're gonna do it or you're not gonna do it. You know, most of my experience was with, with military medicine. If you don't do it, then yeah. you'll just get kicked out. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, yeah. yeah. I think that's a shame. Yeah, I think bedside manner is important too, right? Yeah. Because that has probably been my biggest turnoff with physician is just coming in there like they're your business. <laughs> yeah. Like this is not, are you, are you not selling me a car today. Like you take it, do you know what I mean? Like this, you know, so yeah. And not feeling indicted because I think I've always felt like, I did something wrong.
Hello. Hello. Hey, Grandma. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. I've been thinking about you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. What you been yeah. up to? Nothing happened. Put a few clothes in this wash. Oh, I hear. That's the wash I hear you want? Yeah. I don't know you to go to the doctor very often. Do you feel like you don't trust doctors? Which I don't. Yeah. Mm-mm. You got some good doctors and you got some not so good. You don't know who they are. Yeah. But I know one thing. They'll take anything off the market that ain't going to make them no money. <laughs>